Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. It's the start of a new year, and we have a lot of great things coming up, including the 2023 launch of our small group. So make sure you're here on Sunday mornings and following us on Facebook and Instagram at My Collective Church to stay connected. We really want you to be a part of what God is doing here. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, this is the first time in the history of this building there's been more people at second service than at first. You doing okay? You all right? <laughs> that bumper had a lot of bass in it. Um, hey, uh, I just want to say that I know it was tough to get up and be here this morning because some of you stayed up pretty late last night. Some of you partied a little bit too hard. Some of you have kids who don't respect sleep. And if uh, they're up, you're up. And, uh, but you're here, and this is a great way to start off your year. And because you made this a priority and uh, you are with us today, even though you might not fully be with us today, uh, we want to honor that. And so as you came in, I'm sure you saw, we have McDonald's for you. <laughs> um, and for some of you, this is just like a fun treat to kick off your new year. For some of you, this is going to be your lifeline to get you through the day. So after service, you can go ahead and grab it. Um, originally, I, I, we thought about handing it out as you came in to like sober some of you up, to be honest. But I was like, I don't want to listen to mouth noises for the next 30 minutes. And so uh, if you need it right now, just leave. You can hang out in the lobby uh, and grab that. But either way, we got you covered as we kick off this new year. So every January, I try to start the year with a sermon series that helps us set the tone for the next 12 months. Because this is the time of year when many of us are making resolutions, when we're setting goals, when we're really thinking about change, right? We're looking at what happened and we, we say, hey, we want this year to be better than next. We're wrestling with the next steps that we need to take so this year can be better. But before we look ahead, what I want to do is I want to spend a little bit of time wrapping up 2022, because it's really easy for us to start looking toward the future, um, but 2023 doesn't happen without 2022. And so I want to take a moment to celebrate some of what God did in this church last year. I read articles all the time uh, on the state of the church and, and what people believe is the future of the church. And this past year, there are more articles than ever talking about how the church is in decline, that churches will never recover from the two years lost during the pandemic, that people have become more apathetic about faith and don't see this Sunday morning as something that matters anymore, and that more and more people are walking away from their faith in Jesus. And, and categorically, I believe those things are true, right? In fact, I, I know those things are true. But what we saw last year is just not the case when it comes to collective and this community and how, how you all approach your faith. And I really don't know how to explain it. Oftentimes pastors ask me, what is different about this church? I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, but God is doing something incredible here because last year was the best year in the history of collective. And so let me start by talking about our Christmas Eve services. Last week, uh, we set a Christmas record when over 680 people came and celebrated the birth of Jesus. That, and, and we talked about this. It's, it's the birth of Jesus. We're celebrating real hope uh, over hype. Uh, the Christmas Eve Eve service was so packed that we started bringing in chairs that I didn't even know we owned. I'm pretty sure they're like breaking in the building. It's like bring them into this room. And now if you're new to Collective, let me explain something really quickly about this, though. 
Um, because you're, you're probably wondering why, why we would celebrate that. Why, why are we clapping? Uh, and we don't clap and shout because we love numbers. Numbers don't mean anything, right? Numbers are just numbers. We're clapping and shouting because we're celebrating that more people than ever came to collect, Collective and got to hear about grace and endless second chances. They got to hear about a Savior who loves them, about good news and great joy. We're celebrating people who took a risk and put themselves out there and invited we're celebrating people that took a risk and put themselves out there and showed up after they're invited to collective for the first time. Right? That's, that's what we're celebrating. Another big thing that happened last year was that we opened our new collective kids environment. And while it's only been open for two months, everything we asked God to do with that space, he is doing it. Um, probably the thing that I'm most excited about was us creating the space for fourth and fifth graders to have their own room so they can have their own small group separate from K through third graders. Because we know fourth and fifth graders are going through a lot right now. And what we've seen in just two months is that these kids are asking real questions. They're digging into their faith. They're talking about their fears and their insecurities. They're talking about the things that they're wrestling with in, real, in the real world. And we're so proud of that. Here are a few more things to celebrate from 2022. Uh, last year, we started a podcast called Your Story Matters. And every single week, people sit down with me and they share about their brokenness and they share about their highs and lows. But ultimately, what they're doing is they're sharing about what God is doing in their lives. And last week, we posted the ninth episode uh, and we're ready to keep going. Last year, we had the highest attended Sunday in the history of Collective. It was actually just a few weeks ago. There are 434 people here. Last year, 21 people took a next step and declared their faith in Jesus and got baptized. For context, the average American church celebrates one baptism a year, one. And we typically celebrate this number every single year. And one of the things I remind our church is uh, we're making up for what other churches aren't doing. And that is true. And we got to celebrate 21. Last year, you all purchased and donated 32,000 pounds of food to local organizations. As a church, we donated hundreds of toys, thousands of diapers, wipes, and other baby essentials to our local partners. And we gave away over $60,000 to church plants that started new church on the East Coast last year. 2022 was an amazing year for Collective. So let's celebrate that, okay? All right, that's enough. 2022 is over. We're moving on. But, but here's, why, here's why all this matters. Oftentimes, we get to this point uh, in the year, we, we start this new calendar, and we start looking ahead, and what we do is we disregard what happened, right? We stop thinking about the growth and the joy and the healing and the next steps and the risks that we took because it's all in the past. And I'm sure there are a lot of things that you would like to leave behind in 2022 because there's a ton of stuff I would love to leave in that year. But no matter how hard a year was, we should always take the time to remember how far God has brought us as he continues to move us forward, right? We made it here, so let's celebrate we made it here while also looking ahead. And so here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna thank God for what he did in 2022, and we're gonna pray for more in 2023. We're gonna pray that this isn't the best year in the history of Collective, that this year is, and next year is, and next year is, and God continues to do way more than what we ever thought he could. And so will you all pray with me? Oh, God, you are so good. Um, God, you've done so much in this church and in this city and in our lives. Um, God, last year um, had its highs and its lows. There were so many great things. There were so many hard things. 
God, there are things that we're still celebrating. There's still things that we're mourning. Um, but God, you got us here and you, you did immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. Um, and selfishly, God, we want more. God, we want you to continue to show up. God, we want you to continue to heal. God, we want you to continue to move us and help us and grow us and shape us. God, we wanna continue to feel your presence. We wanna continue to experience your grace. And God, as we look at this year, um, we have the wisdom to know that it's going to be hard at times. God, that just because it's a new year doesn't mean uh, it's any easier. But God, what we do pray for is that even though we know there'll be highs and lows, that you are with us and you get us through all of them. And a year from now, we get to step back and celebrate what you did in 2023 as we look forward to what you'll do in 2024. God, you are so good. God, you are good to us. God, we know uh, that really you are unstoppable. Um, and we are so excited to be along for that ride with you. God, we thank you and we love you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. In 2012, Charles Duhigg put out a book called The Power of Habit that was all about the science of habit creation and formation. And one of the things that he knew was that uh, we as people, we create habits to let our brains save energy and save capacity for other things. That good habits are essentially these hacks that help us live a healthier and more efficient life. But what he wanted to figure out was how do we as people stop our bad habits? How do we, as people, create good habits? And what is the impact that both of those have on our lives? During his research, Duig learned that there are certain habits that we bring into our lives that positively impact everything that we do. And he calls these keystone habits. And a keystone is typically seen in architecture. It looks a little bit like this. Right? It's a center stone at the peak. And what it does, it locks all the other stones together. It holds them in place. If you were to remove the keystone, everything else would fall apart. And, in, during, and during his research, he found that we have habits that essentially do the same thing. And so keystone habits are habits that we put them into our life. They spill over and they positively impact other areas of our life, like other areas that we didn't even intend to change or to grow or to heal. One of the biggest keystone habits is exercise. If you start exercising, even if it's only one day a week, researchers have found that you will start eating better, you will be more productive at work, you will show more patience, you will use your credit cards less frequently, and you will be less stressed out. That one doesn't even make any sense at all. Some of you need to start working out just for that. And, and the thing is, as researchers look at this, they can't figure out why this happens because the people that they studied didn't set out to do all those other good things. They just set out to exercise, but it's because it is a keystone habit. Here are a few more. Families that habitually eat dinner together raise children with higher grades, greater emotional control, and more confidence. One more, making your bed every morning is correlated with higher pr productivity, a greater sense of well-being, and stronger skills when sticking with a budget. Right? These are good habits that when we bring them into our lives, they spill over into other areas and positively impact them as well. And so today we're kicking off this series called Habits. And what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks are some of the keystone habits that we find in the Bible. And another name for these habits that we'll talk about is spiritual disciplines. If you spent any time in or around the church, you've probably heard this phrase before. But let me explain what these are. 
Spiritual disciplines are just habits that we see in the Bible that connect us to God. These are spiritual habits that Jesus had. They're spiritual habits that Paul wrote about in his letters and encouraged in the churches that we get to read in the second half of the New Testament. Spiritual habits uh, that God encourages us and teaches us to put them into our life. And these spiritual disciplines can strengthen our relationship with God. They can grow our faith. They can put action to our, our faith. They can bring peace into our lives. They can heal us. These habits can help us have a godly perspective in our lives. They can bring us joy and remind us of grace. And spiritual disciplines include things like prayer, fasting, confession, worship, spending time in community, rest, celebration, serving, generosity, invitation, Bible reading. And if you are a follower of Jesus, these habits should be a part of your life. Now, you're not going to be good at all of them, right? I don't love all of those spiritual disciplines. Some of them are harder to put into your life than others. But throughout the Bible, we are taught that these disciplines, these habits should be a part of our faith and following Jesus. And all of these are keystone habits. And when you make them a priority and you put them into your day-to-day, you will see a positive impact in your life, especially your spiritual life. But you will also see a positive impact on the health of your marriage, the way you manage your family, the depth of your friendships. You'll see the positive impact on the way that you view yourself, on the way that you handle your money, on how you battle your addictions. And while I'm not going to break down every single spiritual discipline that's found in Scripture during this series, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on four that I believe can easily fit into your schedule right now. You have the time right now to put these things into your life, and they will make a huge impact on your 2023. And today I'm going to kick things off by talking about the spiritual discipline of rest. Every Saturday and Sunday, my wife Ray and I make sure that our seven and four-year-old have the opportunity to rest and take a nap. And most of the time, our four-year-old will sleep for like maybe an hour, maybe a little bit more, but our seven-year-old stopped napping about three years ago, and she feels like this is torture. Um, She gets punished every single day in her mind. And so every time we bring her up to room, she tells us how much she hates resting and how naps are just the worst. And when she does that, what I do is I grab her by the face and I look her right in the eyes and I say, don't you ever say that about naps again, right? (laughs) Naps are the best. Okay, that's a little bit extreme. But we try to remind her regularly that her brain needs a break. Her brain needs rest, that it's good for her body to rest, that her heart, her emotions need a pause, and that she needs to cherish rest now because when she becomes an adult, she will never, ever get it again. (laughs) And so as parents, we require our kids rest because we know that they need it. But for some reason, we think that we don't need it as well. We think that busier is better, that our value comes from being able to work ourselves to the point of exhaustion, like it's some sort of badge of honor, that having a schedule with no margin just proves how valuable and how important we are. But if we take a step back and actually look at our lives, we would realize that a lot of the stress that we feel and a lot of the anger that we feel and a lot of the self-doubt that we feel is because we do not take time to rest. And rest comes in many different forms. Most people immediately think about sleep, and that is certainly one way that we rest. 
But rest has so many dimensions to it. Rest can come from physical activities that allow us to step out of our busy schedule. Activities like walking or hikes or riding your bike or, or running, if you're into that sort of thing. That is not rest, in my opinion. Right? You need rest mentally. What this means is you need to strategically add breaks to your work day. Right? You were not meant to work eight hours straight. What you need to do is you need to put in these times where you get to pause, where you get to step out of what's going on. Mental rest includes things like reading, going to therapy. There's sensory rest. We need rest from our phones, from our computers, from our televisions. Right? We need to shut those things down. We need to stop staring at screens because it's too much for us to take in. There's creative rest. This means going out and enjoying nature. It's enjoying art. It's enjoying music. There's emotional rest. This means having the time and space to freely express how you are feeling. I once read that an emotionally rested person can answer the question, how are you today, with a truthful, I'm not okay, and then go on to share some of the hard things that otherwise go unsaid. And so we have to create space for that to happen in our lives. We have to put the right people around us where we're not constantly walled up and stopping ourselves from being honest and being real and being vulnerable. There's social rest. This comes from surrounding ourselves with the right type of people, with people who support us and care for us. And one of the reasons why we're so worn out is because we're surrounded by people that we don't trust. And so we have to bring those people into our lives so we can feel that peace. That's why when you do social things, there are times when you leave and you get in the car and you feel tense. There are times you leave, you get in the car, and someone doesn't go at a green light, and you get out of your car and you want to beat them, right? Because those aren't, those aren't the right people. But there are times when you spend time with people, you get back in your vehicle, you go to drive home, you, you go out afterward, and you just feel lighter, right? We need a social rest, and we need spiritual rest. This is time worshiping God. It's praying. It's being in community. It's serving others. Right? It's making this on Sunday morning a priority. This is restful. Right? This is good for you. And so ultimately, rest is anything that takes us away from the daily grind of work and helps us fill back up and recharge. And so that's the baseline of rest. Like that is, that's what it looks like to rest. Those are the ways that we rest. But let's look at what Scripture says about this topic. In Genesis 1, God spends six days creating the world. And then on the seventh day, he kept working because he didn't want the universe to think that he was lazy. Right? He kept working because that's what he thought he found his value in himself. And he kept working because he was afraid that if he slowed down, he would actually have to come face to face with his pain points of life, right? No. For six days, God worked and then he rested. It says this in Genesis 2, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Right? God took a step back. He paused. He took a breather. He took a break. And so here's the first takeaway for today. God rested. God rested. God didn't create hustle culture. Let me say that again. God didn't create hustle culture. Do you know who did? We did. Do you know why we did that? Because we're insecure. Because we don't value ourselves the way God values us. Right? And that isn't to say that we shouldn't work hard. Scripture also teaches us that we should do that. We should work hard. But God isn't about a life where we always work and never stop. 
God doesn't want us to have an all work and no rest lifestyle, the I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of life. God created rest and then God himself rested. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus who was the son of God. Jesus who was perfect. Jesus who could walk on water, turn water into wine, heal and raise the dead, rested. Right, Jesus took breaks. Even Jesus didn't perform miracles 24-7. He didn't lead 24-7. He didn't teach 24-7. He took time to rest. In Mark 6, Jesus has just finished feeding over 5,000 people, and immediately he says to his disciples, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place so we can rest. And so they left. They went on a boat. They went to a quiet place where they were all alone. Right? They took a time to take a break. In Mark 6, again, those people who Jesus had originally fed found him because that's what they do. They're like children. They just chase him around. And so Jesus teaches them. He spends more time with them. But then what does he do afterward? He steps aside. He goes up on a hill to spend time with God. In Luke 5, we learn that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to spend time alone, sometimes with his closest friends, sometimes all by himself. In Luke 6, he goes up to a mountain to pray just by himself. In John 4, after a long journey, he sits down by a well and takes a break. Jesus rested. He stepped out of the chaos. He stepped out of leading and teaching and taking care of people. He stepped out of the expectations that others had for him, and he rested. Right? So God rested, and Jesus rested. You can probably see where this is going for the third thing. God tells us to rest as well, right? If God did it and Jesus did it, why do we think we don't need it? It doesn't make any sense. We need to rest. While giving the 10 commandments to Moses, God says this in Exodus 20. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. The word Sabbath just means to rest from labor, right? They're talking about the daily grind of a job. And what God is doing is he's encouraging his people to set apart one day a week where they do not work and they rest, right? And they called this the Sabbath. This summer, when Ray and I were in Israel, we happened to be there for 10 days and two of the days were the Sabbath. And they call this over in Israel um, Shabbat. And so starting on the evening of Friday, when the sun was about to go down until the evening on Saturday, everything was shut down. Like stores were not open, restaurants were not open, there were no shops, you're not allowed to use technology um, and electronics or anything like that. It is a day of rest. But in the hotel we were staying in, um, what we didn't know was that there are two elevators one was a normal elevator, and one was called a Shabbat elevator. And what the Shabbat elevator would do is that it would go up one floor at a time, the doors would open, whether or not anybody was on them, they would close, then go to the next level, open, close, next level, all the way up to the 10th floor and all the way back down. And so my wife and I, we didn't know that this was a thing, and so we were up on the sixth floor, and we get to the elevator, and it opens, and we're like, what a gift, you know? It never opens when we're here. And so we hopped on, and all of a sudden, we started going up, and we're like trying to push the button, it's not changing. And we're like, oh no, we made it to the Shabbat elevator. And so eventually we get down to the bottom, it took us about 30 minutes. And uh, we go to our tour guide and we're like, hey, can you explain to us why this exists? 
And he said that in Israel, they believe that pushing the button on an elevator is work. And the thing is, that's not what God intended for this. Right? That, that's more of like a legalistic approach to it. We would say that's, that's following the letter of the law and not the heart of the law. Right? The letter of the law says don't work. Okay? It says to take a break, to take a breather. But the heart of the law says rest, right? to recharge, to fill back up. It doesn't mean don't lift a, a single finger. Right? It doesn't mean, students, that you don't have to do chores. Right? It doesn't mean, fathers, that you get to just space out on your children. That's not what this is about. Sabbath was created so that we could have a rhythm and prioritize rest, so that we could take value in a pause, so that we could create margin for ourselves to be filled back up. Think of it as a boundary that God created so that we don't burn out. He created rest so that we can worship. He created it so that we can take a breather, so that we can spend time with people who build us up, so we can recharge, so we can be filled back up, so we can be healthy. Ultimately, God knew how hard life was going to be, so he created rest so that we don't fall apart, right? And, and when we rest, there are so many good things that come from it. Rest prevents burnout. There's a study this past year that came out in regard to burnout and said that over 60% of people right now in the workforce feel burnt out, right? How many of you feel that way right now? And you're hoping this year is different, it gets worse, though. Uh, probably the most alarming part of the study was they found um, when it came to people who work from home, it says that 80% of people who work from home are experiencing burnout. And so many of you, your life changed when COVID hit and you started to work from home. And at first it was good, but now it's feeling worse. Right? There's this tension that exists. You're like, this should be better for me. Right? I'm not in traffic. I'm not paying for gas. But the reality is you are more burnt out than anybody in the workforce right now. And the reason why is because there's this blurred line between home and work. Right? Home is a place where you rest. Home is a place where you recharge. Home is a place where you refuel. And now it's a place where you work. Right? And you feel that tension. It's a place where you have an argument with a coworker and then your kid walks into the same room an hour later. And those lines have become messy and they've become blurred. And I'm not saying that you need to stop working from home. Some of you, that is your future. What I'm saying, though, is you have to create clean lines between what home looks like and rest and what work looks like and unrest. But when we look at Jesus' life, what we see is when he felt those tension, he stepped away. Right? He would get away. He would intentionally step out of the daily grind. He would step away from people. He would step away from the noise. Right? When you work from home, that's really hard to do. But just because the calendar says 2023 doesn't mean that burnout magically goes away. The thing that helps with burnout the most is rest. Rest also provides clarity. When you are constantly inundated with noise, with requests from work, demands from family, even just the noise of life. Right? I am one of those people that I listen to a ton of music. I constantly have things on. I will try to work with music on or like a podcast or even the television on. I am the worst. Uh, in fact, I thought we would like pause for a second, just sit in silence for like 10 seconds in the sermon. I was like, can't do it. Like I would die slowly. Um, I do not know how to do that. But we are constantly surrounded by noise and that makes it hard to exist. It makes it hard to live. It makes it hard to think straight. And so one of the reasons Jesus would rest is, is because he wanted to get clarity. 
right? He'd step out so he could focus on God so that he could clearly hear from him, so that he could start his next work, his next ministry from a place of peace and confidence knowing that he was actually hearing God and not just the voice inside of his head or the voice of other people. Another thing that rest does is rest leads to growth. This is why it is a keystone habit. And if you really want 2023 to be a better year or at least different than the last, or if you really want this new year, new you, rest has to be a habit that you prioritize because some of you will never heal or grow because you are just too busy. You will not change because your schedule is too packed. You are shoving too many things into your day and your week and your month, and you will never create the space to step back and actually see what's going on to actually feel what you need to feel. And because of that, you're gonna have a marriage that will struggle and it will go unaddressed because you don't take the time to step out and rest. Ultimately, it creates a culture where you're just living together and existing together. Some of you will have faith issues because you don't take the time to step out. Right? You're just gonna sit and feel these doubts and insecurities, but you never step away to explore them, to dig into them, to surround yourself with the right people where you can wrestle and learn and grow through them. Some of you are gonna spend time this year struggling with jealousy or bitterness or anger. And because you cannot take time to rest, you will never figure out where those feelings are coming from. And ultimately you'll end up taking them out on the wrong people because you don't rest. Rest forces us to sit and think about what is going on in our lives, right? And that is uncomfortable but we need to do that, right? It forces us to sit down and feel the tensions that we feel and not ignore them, not try to work around them, but head at them. Rest allows us to be real with ourselves and about the work we need to start. And so I want you to write this down. This is your goal for this year. This is our goal for this year when it comes to rest. In 2023, I am going to rest one hour a day one day a week, one weekend a month, and one week a year. That is the goal. That is what we're gonna fight for this year in our lives. One hour a day, one day a week, one weekend a month, one week a year. For one hour a day, I am going to read for pleasure and not for work. I'm gonna go for a walk. I'm gonna journal, I'm gonna work out, I'm gonna serve other people. I'm gonna spend time intentionally with God, praying and worshiping and reading my Bible or just simply listening in silence to him. I'm gonna turn off Netflix and have a real conversation with my spouse that doesn't include us trying to solve all the problems we are dealing with. I'm gonna call a friend who I can be real with. And I'm gonna talk about what is going on in my life. One day a week, I'm gonna make sure that I don't respond to any work email. I'm gonna close my laptop. I'm gonna plan a day trip with my family to a museum or a sporting event or just take in something new. I'm gonna take my spouse on a date. I'm gonna have a day at home where I don't feel the pressure to get a bunch of things done on the house. We're just gonna be present with each other. One weekend a month, I'm gonna make sure that nothing is on my calendar. Can we do that? Can we have one weekend a month where we don't plan it all out I'm gonna schedule time to hang out with the people who fill me up and who help me be a better person, a better spouse, and a better follower of Jesus. I'm gonna take a night away. I'm gonna follow Jesus's lead. I'm gonna step out and away from the noise and away from the pressure of the day so that I can reset. In one week a year, I'm gonna get away. I'm gonna put my email on Ford. I'm gonna shut off my work phone. I'm gonna block out my schedule. I'm gonna say no to things. 
so that I can recharge. Right? And this isn't going to be easy. Rest is hard. In fact, finding the time to rest is going to be really tough in the schedules that we create. What this means is that some of us are going to have to cut some things from our lives. But my guess is you already know what those things are. Right? The things that take you out of rest and fill your life with tension and frustration. And if I'm being really honest with you all, uh, I would say that I'm probably one of the worst people here when it comes to rest. That's why we're starting the year with it. <laughs> Give me a whole year to get better at it. And so I'm challenging myself today just as much as I'm challenging you because there is not a day in my life where my laptop isn't open and I'm not working on something for collective. And every time I meet with our overseers, they always ask me, when's your next break? And most of the time I do not have an answer for them. Right? And that's because I am unhealthy and I need to fix that. So part of today is me committing to you that I'm gonna make rest more of a priority in my life if you do the same. Because I want my spiritual life to grow. I want my mental health to grow. I want my emotional health to be better. I want the health of my family to be great. I want the health of this church to be great. In order for that to happen, I need rest. Right? We need rest. We need to build rest into our lives because it is a keystone habit. And if we do this, we will see a positive impact on other areas. We'll see a positive impact on our mental health, on our relationships, on our marriages, on our families, on our physical health, all of it. We'll feel more connected to the people around us. We'll feel more connected to God. We'll have a better understanding of who he wants us to be. But here's the most important thing when it comes to rest, right? Because you could do all those things and your life would change. But here's the most important thing. Real rest only comes from Jesus, the rest that we are truly longing for, right? That deep, peace-giving, hope in the good and bad time rest that we crave, that we long for, that we've been searching for for a really long time, that only comes from Jesus, right? It doesn't come from anywhere else. That's why he says in Matthew 11, 28, he says, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest, right? Are you weary? Are you carrying heavy burdens? Do you feel lost? Do you feel burnt out? Do you feel worn out? Because Jesus says, come to me and I'm going to give you the rest you are looking for. He continues, he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Right? That's what we want. That's what we want more than anything else. That's what we're looking for. That's why we're here on January 1st at church today. We want that rest for our souls. And when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, what he's doing is he's referencing oxen. Oxen would be paired up and a yoke would be put on both of them so they could walk side by side plowing fields, right? They would work together. And so Jesus is saying, if you are tired, yoke up with me. Walk with me. I will teach you to live a better way, but I'm gonna come alongside you so you are not carrying this by yourself. So you can carry it with you. And he finishes by saying this. He says, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And that word burden simply means the things that Jesus asks us to carry, right? the burden of the way he calls us to live. And so Jesus promises us that living God's way means that we will have rest for our souls. And isn't really that what we're looking for, right? Not just rest from work, we need that. Not just rest from burnout, but real rest. In just a few moments, uh, we're gonna celebrate Jenny as she's baptized today. 
And anytime someone gets baptized, they, they get to share their story with us. And so much of Jenny's story has been her searching for something else in her life. Ultimately, she's been searching for rest for her soul. And she told us that she explored as many things as she could. She explored Buddhism and mysticism. Um, she spent time going down a new age spiritual path and checking out Eastern philosophies, but she never found what her soul was longing for. Then this summer, she began to struggle with depression. And she woke up one morning and she'd realized that essentially she tried everything else and it always had come up short. And so that maybe it was time to try church and God. And so just a few months ago, she walked into Collective and she realized immediately that this is what she had been looking for. Right? What she had felt was that peace, that unburdening that Jesus offers. What she found was rest for her soul. And so today we get to celebrate what that looks like. Right? It's freedom, it's hope, it's joy, it's peace. And so let me just say this to those of you who are not followers of Jesus who have tried everything else and you are searching for something more, I want to encourage you to follow Jenny's lead. Right? I want to encourage you to get baptized. I want to encourage you to step into that rest for your souls that Jesus offers. And the way that you do that is you check the baptism box so we can call you this week and we can talk about what does this look like in your own life? What does this unburdening feel like? In a few moments, you're going to see what it looks like in someone's soul. And the thing is, it's beautiful, it's incredible, and it's something that only Jesus offers. And so as we go into this year, we have 364 days left. It's literally all ahead of us. But if you truly want this year to be different than the last, it starts with Jesus. It starts with trusting him. It starts with putting your faith in him. It starts with yoking yourself up so you can walk alongside the highs and the lows together because that is where real rest comes from, life-changing rest. Jesus wants to unburden us, and he wants to walk alongside us. And so if you want this year to be better than the rest, it starts with that, right? It starts with Jesus. As we close out today, I wanna read uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 again, but um, I'm gonna read it from uh, this, this Bible called The Message. And this is a paraphrase um, but it just says it so beautifully, um, and I think it'll hit us where, where it needs to hit us. It says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that what we want? We want to live a life where we can live freely and lightly. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. It doesn't even mean everything's good. It just means we have rest for our souls and we don't have to carry these burdens all by ourselves. And so this year, that's what we start with. We start with rest for ourselves and rest for our souls. Let's pray. God, um, there's this thing that happens to us at the end of a year, in the beginning of a new year, um, where when it starts, we think this year is going to be different. 
God, that this year is going to be better than the last, that we're not going to do the same things that we did in 2022. But the reality is when the calendar flips, nothing changes. God, we're still dealing with the pain from last year. We're still dealing with the tensions and the frustrations. God, we still feel burnt out. January 1 doesn't change any of that. And God, we feel that. And we're frustrated about that. God, we want, we want something different. So God, I pray as we look toward this next year, we don't just expect a new date to change things. But God, I pray that we bring your rest into our lives. God, I, I pray that we begin to bring these habits into our day-to-day so we can see the impact of them. God, in our families and in our friendships and our faith and our mental health, but God, ultimately in our souls. And God, we are so thankful that you created rest for us. God, honestly, sometimes we're so arrogant, we think we don't need it even though you did. And so God, I pray that this year is different. God, I pray that we change. I pray that we look at our lives and we build in these intentional times where we get to recharge um, and truly experience you. But God, more than anything else, I pray that this year is different for all of us um, because we walk alongside you closer and tighter than we ever have before. Um, God, that we yoke up and we trust you and we lean in more than ever because God, we know you wanna carry these burdens for us. And ultimately that's what we need and that's what we want. God, thank you for rest in our day-to-day. But more than anything, God, thank you for rest that we can find for our souls. God, we love you and pray these things in your name.